Blog Talk Radio.
Welcome to Tuesday night broadcast of Prayer International Radio. Um, starting tonight, we're going to um, kick it back into high gear. Um, we've had a sort of a layoff for the last couple months. Um, we started doing the show a year and a half ago, two years ago now, seven nights a week, and we sort of got out of that. Um, and Chris Herzog and myself are going to attempt, by the grace of God, um, to begin once again hosting shows um, at least five nights a week, Monday through Friday, um, once again, with the grace of the Lord. Um, Because the Lord's been um, dealing with us a lot about this show, about the um, opportunity that we have, not that... Chris nor myself or anything special um, except for regular ordinary um, men of God with families and children in my sake who love the Lord Jesus Christ and live only to serve him and love to pray, love to intercede, love to um, pray for other people. whether that's financial needs or emotional needs or sickness, um, whatever it is. Um, We desire to have the heart of the Lord um, for you who listen, for the nations of the earth. You know, we started Prayer International a couple years ago now with the sole desire that at some point in the future we could have a 24-hour prayer network to intercede for the nations of the earth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, And, you know, the thing about it is um, many of us um, are used to having prayer meetings and we're used to gathering together in specific places and praying um, for a list of needs. Um, Quite a few of us are used to having our own little prayer list whether it's something we just keep in our heads and our hearts, something we jot down on a piece of paper or stick in our Bible. Um, Far too often someone has a need or we are walking down the street or wherever we are and we see an issue in someone's life and we just say, okay, we'll pray for you. And it's sort of like the words just pass from our lips without a second thought. And, you know, the thing about prayer is I am convinced beyond all doubt that none of us who serve the Lord for the most part would be here had it not been for the prayer of someone else, whether it's grandparents or parents or friends or neighbors or quite often people you may have never met in your life. Someone at some point has been interceding on your behalf. And if not a person here on earth, there's the Lord Jesus Christ, whom the Bible says ever lives to make intercession for us, seated at the right hand of God, making intercession for the saints, which is us. Us who are inheriting salvation, us who are inheriting the kingdom, us who the Bible has already declared over and over again, 
of the extreme blessings and honors and inheritance we have in the Lord Jesus Christ and the inheritance that the Lord God has in us. And we'll get into that in a little bit. And, you know, the thing about prayer is that your prayers aren't limited by time. They're not limited by circumstance. Prayer isn't something that you um, necessarily do on occasion, though we make effort and we make time for prayer. We make time because it's important, but it's not always about making time and it's making about making efforts. And where I'm going with that is, you know, prayer should be a lifestyle and not just a lifestyle. It should be part of who you are. You know, the Bible says that um, there's the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, righteousness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all the fruits of the spirit. Um, but, you know, fruits aren't something that's given. The Bible declares that the that God, through the Holy Spirit, has given gifts to men, um, spiritual gifts to all of us, um, every one of us being different, every one of us serving a different function in the body of Christ because we're many members in one body, um, the head of whom the Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have different gifts. But gifts and fruits are different. Fruits are something that you acquire over a period of time through the Lord sowing into your life, sowing the word, his word into your life, watering it, um, cultivating it. And, you know, fruits have to be grown. And a lifestyle of prayer is something that has to be grown. And it starts small. It starts with those few minutes of prayer. It starts with making an effort that you're going to get up. And you're going to pray for five minutes or you're going to make a list of names of people that you know need something from the Lord, regardless of how small it is. And then it goes into, you know, driving in your car. And instead of listening to whatever's on the radio, you just start having a conversation with the Lord. And, you know, prayer in a sense is communicating with God and coming before the Lord God on behalf of either yourself or someone else, or sometimes just coming into the Lord on behalf of what's in his heart, because, you know, that's where prayer really gets to. It gets to not necessarily what it is that I want, what it is we want, what it is we think we need, but what it is, what is it that's in the heart of the Lord God? You know, when we spend time with him, when we become Christians, when we surrender our hearts and our lives, we surrender everything to him. One of the things that begins to change and part of the cultivation of the fruits of the spirit is you gradually begin to have the attributes of the Lord displayed in your own life. And when I say that, I mean one of the first things you'll notice about someone who gives their heart to the Lord is they become a giver and not necessarily a giver as in they just start giving away everything they have, but to an extent, yes, because all of a sudden the things that they hold dear, the things that in the past they would hold on to and that this is mine becomes, it's not, it doesn't really matter as much if that makes any sense. And all of a sudden what they have, they freely want to give to other people to help them. Well, you know, that's not necessarily a normal trait. You can turn on the news or the radio and you'll see how every now and there's philanthropists and 
people who are extremely rich who give away their stuff. And that's not what I'm talking about because if you remember the story of the temple, Jesus saw a rich men who would go and throw their stuff in to the offering. And then he saw the one woman who had nothing but the little bit she had she gave. And he said she gave more than anything because she gave out of her need. And because when people serve the Lord, they want to give, they want to serve, they want to help in any way they can. And, you know, prayer is like that. When you serve the Lord, there's constantly this conversation going on in your mind between you and him. Sometimes you may not even be aware of it, that there is a communion that is going on through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit continually making intercession through you between you and the Lord, constantly bringing to your attention his word, his scriptures, constantly bringing attention to your mind, different people that you run into. Sometimes someone you ran into five minutes ago. Sometimes it could be someone who you haven't seen in 30 years. And far too often we'll get these little thoughts that come into our mind and we just think about someone and it's like, okay, well, I'm reminiscing about the past. Well, no, not always. It could be, but a lot of times the Lord will bring to your attention someone. And if you're able to hear and to stop and listen, you'll realize that maybe that is the Father speaking to you to intercede on that person's behalf. Sometimes you'll be sitting at work or driving in your car, and all of a sudden you'll start thinking about China. And I just use China as an example. And, you know, I've never been to China. I've seen a couple pictures of it. But, you know, sometimes you just start thinking about China. And... Well, what opportunity do you have right there? You have an opportunity between you and the Lord to start interceding, to stand in the gap for the country, for the nation, for the cities and the individual people. Because in China, for example, there's however many millions of people, and every single one of them has an eternal destiny somewhere. Every one of them has a decision to make in their own life, whether they're going to serve the Lord or not. And that's without us even getting into the fact that how many people in China alone have never heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, one of the scriptures we, not a scripture, one of the quotes we put up on our website was that we go through, we spend our lives growing up in church and going through the church experience um, getting, being used to coming into a church and sitting down and listening to worship and then listening to a message and we get up and we go home. And it's like you've had your fill. That's your duty. But it's more of an act and not a duty because your duty is to, as the scripture says, preach the word in season and out of season. Always prepare to give an answer to those who ask you. Always being a witness to the world of the Lord Jesus Christ. Always being the living epistle that the Lord has written on. Because, you know, every one of us are living epistles, living documents, living novels that the Father has begun writing upon. From before you're even born, as it says in the book of Jeremiah, he knew you. As it says that he had a plan 
for your life. And if he had a plan for your life, it means for someone over in China, he had a plan for their life, whether they know it or not. And the thing about interceding and calling upon the Lord, agreeing upon what his word declares, that he's not willing that any should perish, so that all should come to repentance. You start declaring his word back to him, agreeing with him upon his word. You know, sometimes the Father just needs people to stand in the gap, people who are willing to stand in the gap on behalf of another nation. It says in the Old Testament that his eyes went to and fro throughout the earth seeking someone, but he could find no one to be an intercessor. Now then, in the Old Testament, not everyone was filled with the Holy Spirit. Almost no, nobody was. A few, The Holy Spirit rests on a couple of prophets and a couple of priests and kings, but you know, after the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, when he ascended back up to his Father in glory, he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell among us and in us to give this, this amazing ability, this amazing privilege to have communion with the Most High God, which the thought itself to some people is scary, that you can have communion with the Most High God, but, you know, nothing's changed from the Old Testament to now. Just like Abraham stood and interceded with the Lord God on behalf of a city, Sodom and Gomorrah, that the Lord would not destroy it. So you have the ability to intercede on behalf of the countless millions and billions across the face of this earth who may or may not have ever heard the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible declares... Whatever you ask in prayer, he'll do it. He said, ask that your joy may be full. Not that your joy is full just because you got to ask for something, but that your joy is full that you can believe that the Lord is going to answer the prayer and meet the need in that person's life. You know, there's people all over the world who are, the Lord is working on their hearts because no one comes to the Lord. They're preaching just through, for the sake of the words, they come through the Lord because the Lord starts working on their hearts and the Lord takes the words and he uses it to plant a seed and to water and then at some point to reap that seed. And, you know, there's people everywhere who are in one of those stages. Some people who are just getting planted and the Lord's just beginning to speak into their lives. And then there's people who have known the Lord, and the Lord wants to give them encouragement, or the Lord wants to speak a word about them to them. And that's where you come in. That's where I come in. That's where we all come in, is to be the voice of the Lord into this earth. And you don't have to necessarily be a prophet. You don't have to have a title. To be an intercessor You don't have to be a title Have a title to be a preacher To be a pastor Or anything else You know we have titles And the Bible says that he has put people In different positions <clears throat> Some prophets Some pastors Some teachers Blah 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 You know what it says But I'm saying beyond that When we get down to <clears throat> Excuse me Our actual identity In the Lord Jesus Christ Our real identity doesn't exist 
and the title that we carry. The anointing doesn't rest upon the title, it rests upon the man or the woman of God or the children of God. The anointing that comes from, the tangible anointing that comes from his presence rests upon us so that, not that we can just say that we have had some experience or some feeling or that we know something great. It's that we can take what we have and freely give it. The Bible says freely if we receive, freely give. And so over the next um, couple months, um, Chris and I, we're going to start going into lessons and really going into the scripture about intercession. Um, because, you know, the when I was growing up um, as a young kid, when I first came to the Lord, I used to read all these books about the end times. And because it was fascinating to me to read about the scriptures, to read about the prophecies that said the Lord Jesus was going to return. And then, you know, everybody's looking up being like, okay, any minute now. And throughout my life, I'm about to be 38 years old in January. And, you know, through the course of my Christian life, I've heard over and over again, people say, well, this is the generation, this is the time. And then I'll go back and I'll listen to sermons from, men and women of God who have long since passed and gone on to be with the Father, um, anointed men and women of God who made dramatic moves across the face of the earth in his name. And even back then in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, even before the 40s and the 50s, men were always saying, okay, this is the time the Lord's going to return. And the truth is, he's going to return. The trumpet may have already, the last trumpet may have already sounded. It may be about to sound. We don't know. But we know he's coming. Now, if you go into scripture right before, right after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was on the mount with his disciples and he was about to ascend into heaven back to the glory that he had before the beginning of the world itself, you know, he told them to go and go and wait for him at this place. And and they were standing there waiting because they were like, okay, we're so excited. The Lord's going to come and he's going to restore his kingdom because they had not yet realized that they had become his kingdom. They were expecting some physical manifestation to happen in the world around them. And that the world was going to be completely changed because they didn't realize that what was changed was not the world, but them in the world. And that they became a representation of the kingdom of God upon the earth. That all the authority that God had, all the authority that Jesus had was given unto them into this earth. So they can make the change in the world around them. Not that all of a sudden God was going to snap his fingers when he ascended into heaven and then he was going to come back and everything was going to be different. Because they were expecting, well, let's just stand here for a few minutes and next you know the Lord Jesus is going to be back. So we'll just stand here and look for him. And then all of a sudden some angels came up to them and they're like, what are you doing? Didn't he say to go do this? Stop standing here and go do what you were told to do. 
And while the Bible says to ever be watchful, ever to be ready, it also says that we have something to do. And this applies to me, it applies to Chris, it applies to every person we know. You have, I heard a preacher when I was a kid say, now then, and I'm going to paraphrase this and throw a little bit in here, but he said, now then, we know the time of the Lord is coming. We know he's going to return, even though we don't know when he's coming soon. Because he said, I'm coming soon. Now, whatever soon means, we don't know. If you have a call, if the Lord has spoken into your life, if he has laid something upon your heart, if you have the call, get out there and get it done and go after souls. You don't necessarily have time to go to four years of seminary four years of Bible college, or anything else. All the word that you will ever need is in the Bible. The only voice you really, really ever need to hear is his. And I'm not knocking Bible colleges. I went to one. I'm not knocking any of those things, any training programs and all that, because it's great. You know, we live in... A world where we're so technologically advanced, you can take every sermon that was ever preached, every worship song that was ever sung, put it on a little thumb drive and carry it around with you, which is great if you want to listen to other people talk about what the Bible says about God. But I'm going to go a step further and say what you could do is instead of listening to every sermon you can get your hands on, to listen to someone else talk about God, is you and me and Chris and everybody else can go talk to God about God. You can come become an intercessor for yourself. You can become a person who desires to hear his voice so much that you desire his presence so much Spend your time in his word. You spend your time devouring his word. You get his word inside of you. Because you know, honestly, sooner or later, there will come a time when you may not be able to carry around your Bible. There will come a time when you can't just get up and pull up a Bible and say, let me see what the Lord said about this. But you really need to know his word. If for no other reason, so that you can know him through his word. Because the Holy Spirit will take this word every single time you open it up and he will reveal the Father to you. 38 years old and... I have been serving the Lord most of my life, and I still will go through the scriptures and find entire passages that I don't remember ever reading. I have read my back, my Bible backwards and forwards so many times. Entire, I have memorized entire chapters of the Bible, and yet I will still go through it and find things I never knew about. 
whether I forgot them or passed over them or it's, I read them once and it's been so long and I never went back. But the history, if you will, of the entire universe is written in this Bible. And what I, when I say that, I don't mean that every single detail and every single fact about the world around us and the universe is in there because it's not. But what is in there is him. The fact that the world around us changes all the time. We as people change all the time. I was telling my one of my daughters just tonight, we were talking about her because um, she's a freshman in high school. She's started off at the beginning of her senior year of high school deciding that she wanted to be a veterinarian. And we're now into the fourth, fifth month of the semester, and she's changed her mind, and now she wants to be a brain surgeon. Slight difference. But you see, we change. The things that we like, the things that we like to do, the things, the people we like to spend time with constantly change. We grow and we change and we are transformed more and more into the image of that which we spend the most time with. You know, I see it in my own life on a daily basis. If I spend a lot of time watching television, um, then my spare time will be consumed with thoughts about what I was watching. If I'm constantly caught up in work, and I'll get home and I'll have the things about work on my mind. But if I make an effort to constantly have him in my thoughts, to constantly have his word in front of me, to constantly be meditating upon his word, constantly be worshiping the Lord, then in my free time, he'll be in my thoughts because he is what I have put my, the most of my resources into. You know, if you watch the news, um, something me and Chris were talking about today is that you'll find out that there was an actor named um, Paul something, I forget now, who was in some movies and he died and um, it was a big deal to the world because this actor died and people were showing up at his um, at this little makeshift memorial to give out flowers and talk about how great this guy was. And, and I'm not saying he wasn't great, but I'm saying at the same time, just a few days ago, Tracy... Chris's wife, um, Tracy's mom died, and there wasn't a bunch of people there um, putting out flowers because um, nobody knew. And luckily, she knew the Lord. And when she left, as um, sad as it was, there was also a cause for rejoicing because we knew she was passing from death directly into life, that she was leaving this world and directly was going to be in the presence of the Father. But, you know, millions of people die every day all over the world. It's um, horrible. It's something we don't talk about. 
we when we preach sermons in churches and wherever else we attempt to stay away from the sad subjects or the hard subjects because we want people to be happy and joyful but the truth of the matter is millions of people die every day in countries like Syria thousands of people die hundreds of thousands of people die in Africa hundreds of thousands of people die all over the world, even without sickness, sickness and death, there's wars and fights and all sorts of things that happen all around us. You know, in America, we have um, the 9-11 where the Twin Towers were bombed and like 3,000 people died. But in a place like Israel and Jerusalem, a number like that is not that great of a deal because it's an everyday occurrence. You could have a thousand people in a year die on pretty much any year because that's what life is like over there. They've come to the realization that people die. In places like Africa, you'll die from disease or you'll die from hunger or something like that or war. So you're used to the fact that people die and it doesn't shock you as much. Not only does it not shock you as much that people die, but it makes it more apparent and more serious and more real that we don't have a lot of time to sit around and talk about preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have time to get ourselves ready to be ministers of the gospel because the Bible declared that he's already made us ministers of the gospel from the second that you opened up your mouth and you declared that he was Lord in your life, you became a minister of the gospel. The Bible says we are ambassadors of Christ, as if the Father was, rec- was speaking through us, pleading with the world through us to be reconciled to God. We don't have time to wait not because he may come back any minute now, which he may, but because any minute now someone at some point or someone somewhere on this earth is going to die every second or every minute, either one, I forget. But literally every second or every minute someone dies. And how many of those people knew the Lord how many of those people was someone praying for how many of those people could say with their last breath that they were going to see the Lord Jesus Christ because they knew him or how many of those people just went from life to death and will never see the Lord because someone on this earth, for whatever reason, decided not to tell them that there's a Savior who died for their sins. If you go outside your front door and you look up and down your street, how many people will you see? How many people live in those houses? 
if you drive your car and you stop at an intersection and you look around at all the cars that are around you, how many people are in those cars, how many family members are represented by each one of those cars. And granted, you may not be able to talk to every single one, but you can pray for every single one. Even a one-second prayer, Lord, touch them, Lord, heal them, Lord, save them, Lord, deliver them, Lord, show yourself to them, Lord, reveal yourself to them. Even a short prayer that's prayed with the intent and the knowledge and the understanding that he does answer prayers is better than nothing at all. You can walk into a restaurant with your family to eat a meal and you don't have to stand up and preach to every single person in there that they need to turn to the Lord Jesus. It'd be nice if you did, but you don't even have to do that. But you can intercede for every one of them. You can look around and just pray, God, touch every person in this room. And you know what? That's intercession. That's all it takes to live a life of interceding and trusting that he's a man of his word, that he's a God of his word, that when the Bible said he's a God that cannot lie and does not lie, that that was true. Because God answers prayer. The proof that God answers prayer isn't just in the things that you've received, but the very fact that you know him. I heard a pastor say just recently that the greatest miracle that God will ever do in your life is you. He said when they tried to lower a man through the roof, to him, the first thing he said is, son, your sins are forgiven you. And they said, well, how can you, and then all the Pharisees were like, how can you say that? And he's like, well, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you or be healed, take your bed and go home and whatever. Because he wanted them to know that the Son of Man had power to forgive sins. The power of the blood of Jesus that has washed all our sins away, that has clothed us in righteousness. Because the Bible declares, whether you believe it or not, let me throw that out there. Because a lot of times we declare the Bible, we talk about the Bible, we quote the Bible to our friends. But how often do we take the Word of God, meditate on it long enough that we start believing it, and then not only start believing it, but start start walking in it. Because the Bible says our righteous acts are like filthy rags, and we all agree with that. But then it also says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It says that he has forever perfected those who are being sanctified. That we are the righteousness 
of God, not through our own works, but through the blood of Christ Jesus. There's no need to get ready because in Revelation it says they overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. By, by declaring, I once was in darkness, but now he has translated me from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. I am the proof, and this is you saying this to yourself, you, I, we are the proof of his workings in the earth and the transformation that he's able to do in people's lives. Every day you get up, you can look in the mirror and see the miracle that he has worked, that your sins have been forgiven, that you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, that you have the ability to have a relationship with God and not only a relationship but a friendship with God because the Bible declares Jesus said I no longer call you servants but I call you friends because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing but yet we who are friends with the Lord Jesus Christ the most high God have the ability to hear his voice by listening by meditating upon his word, by believing his word. One of those words being that he's coming soon, that we need to be ready. But not only do we need to be ready, we need to be busy to get out there and do those things which we know we can do. Heaven forbid that time passes and we have talents that are unused, talents that we've just hidden away because we were too afraid of what the world would think, we were too afraid of what the world would say, to go out there and do something. If you have a call, go out there and get it done. If the Lord tells you to write a book, get up and go write a book. If the Lord tells you to volunteer at your church, get up and go volunteer at your church. If he tells you to go stand on the street corner and cry out at the top of your lungs that he's coming, it may sound crazy, but go do it, because you never know what's on the other end of your obedience outside of a blessing. You never know what miracle is going to happen in someone else's life that is a direct result of your obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. So this is um, Prayer International Radio. We're going to take a quick break. Um, stay with us. If you need prayer, you can always email us at prayerinternational.org I mean at gmail.com or you can go to our website which is um, prayerinternational.org I hear the voice It's the voice of the one I love He's calling my name I hear you calling me Jesus Hear the voice, the voice of the one I love. He's calling my name. Can you hear him calling you? 
this world behind. Yes, I'm a to be beautiful. Leave 
Okay, everybody. Well, welcome back to Prayer International Radio. And I cut the worship a little bit short because we're um, starting to run out of time. We only have about 30 minutes left of this broadcast. And I think there's still a lot for us to um, get into. We were talking about being intercessors, about believing the Word of God, walking in it, becoming what the Word of God declares that we are. And, you know, there's always something, a lesson I have begun to teach my children is that not every voice that you hear in your head is your own. Not every thought you think is your own. Sometimes they're your thoughts. Sometimes they're the thoughts of the enemies. Sometimes it's the world itself speaking to you, and then there's the voice of God. And we, as the church of the living God, need to learn to cultivate our hearing so we can hear his voice clearly and precisely. Because he said, my sheep will hear my voice of my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. However... As far as hearing his voice deep in our spirit, we can all hear it. We may not always recognize it. In the daily life that we live, with five million voices coming out of, uh, out from around us, it's not always easy, even for seasoned men and women of God, those who are mature in their faith, those who have lived their entire lives serving the Lord. It's not always easy to recognize his voice. It takes effort. It takes time of growing to hear his voice and of knowing him enough to recognize when he speaks to you. And not only recognizing his voice, but having the courage and the trust in him to follow his voice when he calls. Quite often the Lord will call us and he'll ask us to do things and we may have no idea why he's saying them. But obedience doesn't always require understanding. Let me say that again. Obedience does not always require understanding. Sometimes obedience only requires the trust in the person who gave the command. You know, we live in an amazing time of seeing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon this earth, of seeing the hand of the Lord God move over this earth, changing the lives of men, women, and children, of still in these days and times seeing countless miracles. But we also live in a very dangerous time where it's easily easy to be distracted. It's easy to get caught up in the things of the world. Um, it's hard enough to go to work every day to deal with children and who and who knows what else you have in your lives, family members, whatever. It's too easy to get so caught up in everything around you that you lose sight of the Lord. I believe that something I've talked to people about is I believe it's impossible to sin while you're thinking about him. It's impossible to do anything 
that goes against him if you're actually thinking about him. And one thing we strive for is to continually stay in communion with him, continually stay on our faces before him, even when we're at work, even when we're in our cars, even when we're in our families, even in church of all places for me to say that, but to continually keep our mind focused on him and not on the things that we necessarily see. And so, um, you know, we're talking about walking in him and I wanted to talk about this new man for a second. And so there's uh, some passages in Ephesians. I'm going to try to get through, um, pretty quickly if possible just to show you how powerful this word is and what he said to us. And um, I'm going to start in Ephesians um, chapter 4, verse... um, I guess I'll just start in 1 and try to read through it. It says, Therefore, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, which is patience, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring, striving to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he said, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended. What does it mean? But he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You know, the gifts that you have that came from the Lord aren't so you can parade them out there and be like, well, I'm pastor this, or I'm evangelist that, or I'm prophet this, because you're, like I said earlier, your titles don't matter, because the gifts that you have aren't there to give you status, they're there to give you the anointing, to be able to touch the lives of those people that are around you. This is in um, chapter 4, verse 13, till we all come to the unity of faith. And, to, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. That, and now this is very important. Write the, circle this in your Bible, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, that we should no longer be children to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful deceitful plotting but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what by which every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body 
for the edifying of itself in love. He says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanliness with greediness. But you have not so learned in Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. And you, I threw in the you, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You know, we're talking about continually meditating upon the word of God, continually keeping him in your thought in your thoughts. The Bible says to cast down every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. To continually keep your mind focused on heaven. Continually keep your mind focused on the heart of God so that when the things of the world come around, they don't affect you. They don't move you. That you can be a stone, solid, set upon a rock, which is his word. It says in verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. The righteousness and holiness that the Bible, we already talked about, the Bible says comes from Christ Jesus and not from our own works. It says, therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go out down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. I'm going to skip over. Um, you know, this is later in chapter 5, um, verse 8. This is, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. There should be a visible difference between you and the people who don't know the Lord. There should be a clear and apparent difference that you serve something different than this world, that your priorities are not just on where your next paycheck is going to come from, even though, you know, it's important. We all have families and bills and responsibilities. But your priorities, the things that really matter to you, shouldn't be limited by this world itself, which is fleeting, which is passing, because, you know, we're all dust. This life is but a vapor. In one second it's here, and the next second it's gone. And we'll stand, every one of us, before the Lord. And the Bible says something else we were talking about recently. You know, the Bible says that we're all going to be stand before him and our works and the things about our life are going to be burned in a fire like a testing and everything that's not of him will be consumed. And I think what ends up being left is not anything that we've done, but just him and all that's left is the clothing that we have of him. It says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. You know, you may have different things in your life that you're thinking about, different things you're planning or um, contemplating. 
And, you know, I believe that the Lord will let you do pretty much anything. Um, but, you know, Paul said all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but I will not be under, brought under power of any. And I'll throw in all things are lawful, but not all things edify the body of Christ. You know, we have to constantly, constantly be going before the Lord to see what his thoughts are concerning our lives, concerning our actions, concerning our hearts, that he can look inside of our hearts and see if there's anything that offends him, anything that would prevent us from walking in the fullness that he has for us. Not that he will not bless us, because God blesses us, not because that we're good and we deserve it, but he blesses us because he's good. It says every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father. And he loves to give gifts to his children. He loves to bless us. He loves to give us the kingdom, as it says in Psalms, to prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. That's what the Father does. But at times we can find ourselves missing a blessing. We can find ourselves missing the fullness of what we could have because we chose to sit on the floor and beg for scraps instead of sitting at the table that we already belong in. You know, um, sometimes we um, sometimes we uh, Hold on one second. I think we're having some audio difficulties. Just one second. Okay, sorry about that, everybody. We had some audio difficulties that we tend to do with um, Blackhawk. So we were talking about, um, see, I lose my place. We're doing this, and then I lose my place. Okay, finding out what is acceptable, what is acceptable to the Lord. So I'm gonna just go from here, and hopefully I don't repeat myself. And if I do, forgive me. Um, you know, going back to being an intercessor, and about intercession being a lifestyle. I'm gonna go one step further, and tell you that. Not only is being an intercessor a lifestyle, but being a worshiper is a lifestyle. Because our very nature should replicate the heart of God. Everything about us should continually cry out to the Lord, our Savior, our Lord, our everything. The Lord, I believe, is going to begin giving people, men, women, children, the ability to strategically hear his voice, to strategically proclaim things into the world. You know, the Bible says your words are living. When you speak things, when you speak the word of God, you cause it to take form to take shape 
And I believe the Lord is calling people to, even tonight, to strategically begin to start speaking into the lives, uh, to their own lives, to their families' lives, to their friends, and to the nations they live in and the nations across this world. We, as a body of believers, you know, the Bible says the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Cast off the old man and start walking as children in light of light. Something else it says, our salvation, salvation is nearer than when we first believed. I believe it is time for the body of Christ to stand up and be the body of Christ. Not to stand up and to stand on a mountain and cast down the sinners. Not to get up and parade themselves around and say, hey, we're the body of Christ. We're the children of God. Because I believe that you don't have to tell people that you're a Christian. They should know right when they look at you. By the very words that come out of your mouth. By the way you carry yourself in this world. By the way you act toward everybody else. Let alone the people in church. How can we possibly declare that we love the world when we can't even love the people who are in church next to us? We can't love the people that are in the same house with us. You know, I could have sworn that it says somewhere in the Bible that judgment starts at the house of God. Excuse me while I'm drinking my coffee to stay awake. If it's not going to be you, and it's not going to be me, me, then God will have to find someone else. He desires to use us. He desires to work in us. But only to the extent that we're willing to listen to him. To only to the extent that we're willing to be obedient. Because most of all, it's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about you. Paul said, woe to me if I do not preach. David talked about the word being shut up in his bones like fire that consumes him, that you have to let it out. Jesus said, we become a fountain of living water, springing up into everlasting life. If you bottle that water, you become a stagnant well, which is full of death. But we're made to bring life. We're made to bring healing to the nations. He said the kingdom of God has come. Not that it's far off. Not that we have to go strive for it. Not that we have to trek to some remote mountain and spend time alone with God to realize the kingdom of God. What it does take is opening up your Bible and getting on your face before the Lord. Repenting of your sins. And you know, I say that when I say repenting of your sins, I'm not just talking about those who don't know the Lord. Every one of us. You know, we may be forgiven. We may walk in grace. We may walk in the righteousness of the Lord. But every one of us probably have areas where we have chosen 
Notice I said that we're chosen to be disobedient to the Lord. When we heard his voice say this, we went that way. He said, come over here, and we're like, no, we're going to go over here. And I say all that to say is what is the consequence of disobedience outside of death? It always has been. It always will be. In the Old Testament, it says, choose this day who you'll serve. Choose life or choose death. But more importantly now, we choose life. We choose to serve him. We choose to walk in his presence. We choose to walk listening to his voice. Not because we think, okay, well, we're going to die. No, I mean, we're forgiven. But someone else may. You never know what life you're going to touch, what life you're going to affect on any given moment of any given day. Your prayer today the direct result of your prayer today may be someone's salvation tomorrow and perhaps someone you've never met. Your obedience to the Lord today, to the Lord today, to call your neighbor or to go talk to this person or to pray for this person may be just the catalyst that the Lord needs to cause a massive breakthrough to happen in their life. Your obedience to the Lord may not only cause a massive breakthrough or salvation in someone's life, but it can transform the course of someone's entire family, someone's entire lineage. You know, I tell this story over and over again to demonstrate how important it is to be obedient to the Lord and that from what I remember Billy Graham who most Christians have heard of he's preached sermons in almost every continent has held television conferences and you know if you count the number of people that Billy Graham has led to the Lord, whether in person or on TV, it would number the millions. Millions of people who gave their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ from hearing him preach about the Lord Jesus Christ. But yet at one point, someone led him to the Lord. Someone walked up to Billy Graham and shared with them the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone walked up to Billy Graham and said, hey, you know, there's this guy named Jesus who died for your sins because God loved you that much. He wanted you to have everlasting life, that he sent his son to die for your sins. If you'll only give your life and your heart to him. One person did that, followed. When God told them to go, they went. And the end result was Billy Graham getting saved. 
and as a direct result, millions upon millions of people getting saved. And so you never know. The person you see in the gas station, the person you see in the line at Walmart or the grocery store, the teacher you see at school when you pick your kids up, even the person sitting next to you inside of church. Not everybody who goes to church is a Christian, I don't think. Some people may go to pick up dates. I don't know. Who knows? But you never know what's going to happen when you're obedient to the Lord. But you can't be obedient to the Lord if you don't know how to hear his voice, if you're not willing to cast off the world, to realize that it's just not that important anymore. You can watch TV, you can do all that stuff as long as you don't let yourself get consumed by it. Because, you know, the Bible says he's a jealous God, and it also says he's a consuming fire. And it all comes to how badly do you want to hear his voice? How badly do you want to know his presence? How badly do you desire to have him? And if it's more than anything, if you're listening tonight, because more than anything else, you can't make it one more breath without a touch from the Lord, then all you've got to do is ask him, Father, here I am. You see me as I am. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of every way that I've sinned against you. Thank you for your blood. Touch me. Fill my life. Overflowing. Use me. Let my life glorify you. Let my life glorify you. Let my life glorify you. Every word, every thought, all of my days, every minute, every breath, be for your glory. And that's what it takes. In one second, to give your everything to the Lord. And then you wake up tomorrow morning and you say the exact same thing all over again. And then tomorrow night, you say it again. And every minute of every day, you continually lay yourself at his cross. You continually surrender those things in your life that may not please him. And you continually ask to hear his voice. You continually ask for him to lead you. And then not forgetting to pray those exact same things over everybody else. Continually asking that the Lord would touch China and Africa and India and Europe and Scotland and North America and South America and New Zealand and Afghanistan and Syria and every other nation and every country you can think about, you start declaring the word of God over them. You start declaring his goodness. You start declaring his favor. You start declaring his salvation. You start declaring that his name is Lord over those nations and over those cities and over those people. And 
and then you do it again tomorrow, and you do it again the next day. Because the Lord is coming, and he needs intercessors. He needs people to stand up with him, believing his word to be true in this earth. Believing that when he said that he has a plan, that he knows the thoughts he thinks of you, thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And he said that he is not willing for any to perish, but all should come to repentance. That whatever the need is, he is willing to meet it. But sometimes he needs someone to stand there and to be his voice in this earth. Be a voice to your children. Be a voice to your husband or wife. For that matter, be a voice to your pastor. Be a voice to your friends. Take a scripture and declare the word of God over someone today. Text someone the word of God. Even if it's just telling them how much God loves them, you know what? Maybe they needed to hear it. Since everybody's on Facebook, why don't you text someone on Facebook? If you know that's the only place they're going to see it, text them what God's saying about them in love. Tell them how much God loves them. Tell them that God has a plan for their life. Tell them that there is a Savior named the Lord Jesus Christ who died for their sins, that they could have everlasting life. So this is Prayer International. We are pretty much out of time. We will be back on tomorrow at 10 o'clock. If you need to email us, our email address is prayerinternational at gmail.com. And our website is prayerinternational.org. So be blessed, and we will see you tomorrow. Hey.